The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Hello, welcome to episode 36 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the membership director of Wealth Builders, and I'm joined by the founder, Mr. Kevin Whelan. Evening, Chris. Good to talk to you again. How was uh, America? It was fantastic, thank you. So I was attending a big marketing conference over in Phoenix, Arizona with some of the top online marketers in the world. And it was really, really fascinating and obviously um, good to learn about the topic of business, which is where we're firmly entrenched this week and with a focus on women in particular in business. And I know we don't want to kind of overemphasize the difference between women in business, men in business, but there's definitely some 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 differences, aren't there, there? Well, yeah, when we look at the wealth position, it's undoubtedly the case, Chris, that women are behind the curve when it gets to retirement. We saw that in a recent episode where, on average, women end up, and certainly in terms of traditional retirement, you know, two-thirds behind men. You know, the average retirement pot is a third of the average man. So, you know, that speaks volumes. But what's great to see is the women featured today are really not starting behind on the marathon race, are they? They've got to the the front of the the race pretty quickly, and now they're powering through. And very inspirational stories from all three. Yeah, all of our guests are doing amazing things in very different spaces, and you know have started um, you know very early on as well. Certainly, um, we'll be hearing from. Julianne and from Charlotte and they talk about you know being a female entrepreneur in their early 20s and you know there definitely were a few difficult times and um, that's no reason to hold them back and and maybe even that it it pushes them even more to uh, to obviously be successful. Well that's true when you know youth is is an interesting thing in in general but also Sarah who we'll hear from you know who's very much in the property space and she'll probably speak a word or two about how in property, you know, women often are least participating in some respects. You know, there's uh, many challenges that women have often seen as a soft touch in property, uh, we hear. And uh, more about that, I guess, when she tells her tale. Yeah. So I guess we better hand it over to the women to tell the tales themselves. I think we best. So Charlotte, welcome to Wealth Talk. Thank you so much for having me. Good. Now, Charlotte, give our listeners just a very quick background as to what your business is, please. Yeah, so um, I'm Charlotte. I'm the CEO and founder of the technology business with a big difference called Inkpact. Um, So Inkpact's main aim is to help growing business have a real human connection with their customers. And we do that through sending genuinely handwritten letters, cards and sustainable gifts. So they're all sent through the post to good old fashioned Royal Mail, but they're all written by real people across the country. So we have over 400 people as part of our scribe tribe, but it's all done through a platform, but then them actually writing every single message on behalf of some of the biggest businesses in the UK. Fantastic. Now, this is not your first attempt at business, is it? <laughs> no, I've had a couple of other things before, and I'm sure it's not going to be my last either. <laughs> no. And, um, you know, what has your background been? And I know you started at a relatively young age and you've won awards as well. You know, give us a little bit of the, the kind of story of how things have evolved and how that entrepreneurial journey has been for you so far. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, I feel it's always just been in me from a very young age. And that my dad gave me my first 
personal development book at the age of 14 and I fell in love with just learning and growing and a business is a huge part of that. So um, my first kind of big business, it's actually a social business that I ended up running when I was 19. We built toilets in Kenya out of recycled materials. We set up quite a big global franchise where we built toilets and helped entrepreneurs collect human waste and sell it as fertilizer, um, helped military in the UK start businesses, sold solar lamps, all kinds of great stuff. But every business that I started had a social purpose and made money at the same time. So it wasn't one above the other. It was all around how can you make money? as an individual and as a business and help people. Um, I did lots of things when I was younger, like set up online shops and makeup stores and all kinds of entrepreneurial things, even sold the typical lemonade from a lemonade stand. It's my first business where I sold the shares um, uh, and uh, made some money there. So yeah, I've always had business ventures and endeavors, but it's always generally been around how can I create a business that's a win for me, a win for the planet and the environment and a win for people across the world too. So that's been my journey. And that's obviously what inspired Inkpact mixing tech and humans together. Mm. Now, with Inkpact, one of the you know fundamental aspects that we talk about at Wealth Builders is generating recurring income in your business. Yeah. So, how have you gone about this with Inkpact? Yeah, great question. So, Inkpact started really organically um, and just came off the back of um, it was a franchise that were really struggling to contact busy CEOs. And they said they wanted to send handwritten notes. We started writing. So myself and my cousin was the first ever writer. And then we got hundreds around the the country. But it started and it wasn't very recurring. It was people doing campaign after campaign. And it meant that we were getting money very sporadically. And we started working for bigger businesses, which meant the, the check sizes went up and up effectively. But it was still very sporadic. So we built an online platform, which is a little bit like MailChimp, but for handwritten letters, where a company can add their logo, they can personalize the message, upload their CSV file, copy and paste it in, press enter just like you would an email. But then obviously we had real people writing the letters. And people came to us and they wanted to do it for customer loyalty, you know, saying thank you, sometimes saying sorry. And that happens every day, week, month. People wanted to welcome their customers. Again, happened every day, week, month. So we developed an online subscription model where Companies could pay for a number of credits every month, um, and then they could spend those credits over our note cards and gifts. So we found a way after four years of tech development, we've built the only online platform in the world where you can order genuine handwritten letters and notes. Um, And businesses do it now every day, every week, every month, um, and buy a number of credits. So it's been a long time coming, and it was only in July this year that our self-serve platform model was really, you know, could stand on its own two feet. And now we don't touch the note cards. It's all done um, by our supplier chain by our handwriters so it took us four years and you know over a million pounds worth of tech development but it really was the best shift in our business model because now you know we make money every single month from our clients and they keep coming back I think we signed a three-year contract with somebody um this year as well so that's the kind of money where where you know we're impacting people's lives that we have a lot of single mothers a lot of artists that are making money from home writing um and effectively we don't touch anything from our side anymore they're making money our clients are getting great results so it's a win-win for everyone mm, that sounds fantastic now with your 10 plus years of experience in business <laughs> have you seen any advantages or disadvantages of being a woman in in the business world at all charlotte Great question. Great question. Not the first time I've had this one. And I think quite strongly about this. So being a woman and also being a very young woman, I started the business when I was 21, 22. Um, There are lots of stereotypes around that. You can't help that. I mean, I've been, everyone thinks I was the secretary for a very long time or the receptionist. So I've definitely had that. Oh, when is, you know, when's the CEO coming? And you're like, yeah, that's me. Um, But after you kind of get over that, actually, being a young woman in business has been a big advantage for me. You know, I stand out in a room, especially in the tech space. I've stood on a lot of stages around the world 
world and I look different from a lot of the other people there and that's never a bad thing you know when you're in a room and you're at a conference and you look different to everyone else you're generally remembered so I think it's really important for you know women to be seen in business because I genuinely believe when you're younger and you're thinking you know what career can I have what do I want to be if you can't see a woman in business then you never think you could be one or if you can't see a woman in tech you don't think it's possible so for me it's all around how many stages can I get on and show young women this is an option you know how can I show women that want a career change that this is an option so I think it's really important to stand strong as a woman and show others that you can do it. But also at the same time, I'm just a human person in business too. So being a woman doesn't necessarily mean it's any harder or less hard than running a business as it is for anyone else, you know, because we still have the same challenges. We're still chasing revenue. We're still trying to grab business. We're still raising investment. And the highs and lows of business are hard, regardless of whether you're a woman or a man. So I think the biggest thing for me has been learning how I use that to my strengths, you know. I'm a very heart on the sleeve. I even did, I did a talk at a big conference recently called What's Love Got to Do With It? And I talk a lot about love and business. And that's just me. I don't know if, if women are more likely to talk about that or not, but that's Charlotte Pierce. That's who I talk, you know, how I talk, what I talk about. And so sometimes women are seen as fluffier or more vulnerable or, you know, weaker than men. And I don't think that is at all true, but you just need to know yourself and go, actually, I am quite a vulnerable person. I like sharing stories. I like sharing the hard times. And actually using that as a huge strength and actually makes me an empathetic leader that I'm like that. So I think whether you're a woman or a man in business, it's really just checking in with yourself, knowing who you are as a leader, who you are as a business owner and making sure that you're running your business to your strengths. So, yeah, I don't think it really matters woman or man. But as a woman, we do need to stand up and show other women that it is possible. Mm. And as a final word, Charlotte, mm. why do you think the business asset class is one of the best asset classes for building mm. wealth? I think just the creativeness to it, you know, you can create a business that gives you personal wealth, that gives others around you wealth, that benefits other business and other people. I think it's one of the most creative asset classes because you also design your life around your business too. I think they're so into, you know, interweaved. I wake up every day and I decide what I do, what I'm working on in the business and I know I'm creating something that's much bigger than me and much you know and much bigger than in the world than I as an individual could be and that's really exciting and you know you see your value on paper going up and you know at some point you could sell the business or you know you're, you're becoming really profitable there's just this tangible thing that you can see and create but it's not just for you and I think that's what makes it so amazing it's for everyone else too so it's a really like selfless thing business can be really selfless if you create it to be. Thanks so much for sharing with us today Charlotte and best of luck. No problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm Riv Sarah Walker. Welcome to Wealth Talk, Sarah. Thank you. So, Sarah, would you mind just beginning by giving us a little background as to your connection with Wealth Builders and how you first connected? Yeah, so I met Kevin through, um, I did Simon Zucci's Mastermind Graduate Programme and I was a top performer on that um, a few years ago now. But Kevin was involved in um, some of that training about how to use your pension, how to generate wealth, you know, the pillar, all the pillars of that he talks about. So that's where I, I first met Kevin. Um, and, um, you know, he's been influential in um, supporting, you know, people getting control of their money and, you know, getting control of their pensions, which, you know, is a, is a worth a lot of money. It's like deferred pay. I tell my children it's like deferred pay. You've got to follow your pensions. Like if you leave a job, don't leave your money behind. Indeed, so right. that's how I met, met Kevin, really, was through that. Yeah. Right. Now we talk about the role of women in business today. And um, just before we talk about your current business, Sarah, would you mind just giving some backstory as to what you've been doing with your background over the last few years? 
Yeah, so I've had a long career in social housing. I started um, in the local authority um, for my local council when we still had council housing, as it was called in those days, all been sold off under Margaret Thatcher's government. But I've done housing management, homeless, you know, house building, all sorts of stuff within within that sector, um, as well as supported housing. Um, so more recently, the last sort of 10 years, I was working for a national um, housing association, procuring and building new affordable homes before I set up as my own business mm. and working in supported accommodation. And I saw you on stage at an event a couple of years ago and you were claiming a prize, weren't you? So tell us a bit about that. And yeah, how- so I was um, a couple of years ago, I did Roger Hamilton's um a day where I was a wild card entry for his um you know he looks for I suppose ethical businesses or businesses that can make a difference really Uh, and we were just launching our product and our brand at the time which is you know HMOs within the supported housing under exempt accommodation status um and that was great that you know really really enjoyed doing that and getting up on the stage and presenting part of that prize was a trip to Bali which was great and obviously working with them, um, you know, rock stars um, firm. So, yeah. Mm. So you've had experience, obviously, as an employee and then a business owner now. What's your viewpoints? How have you found it as a woman in business, Sarah? And um, do you... Think- yeah, so what, so what pushed me really to become my own make my own business become my own self-employed was I've I've actually got a daughter with severe learning disabilities and um, disabled so she needs sort of full-time care and I just I just couldn't I just didn't feel the corporate environment married itself very well with a parent and as you're a mum you sort of take on that natural role and and my job when I left it I was covering the whole of the southwest as a senior project management and I was doing everywhere from Truro across to London back up to the Midlands and it was it was just way too much so that pushed me to to take that step which was terrifying you know and really you know I was very nervous about doing it but I'm so glad I did because it's given our family the freedom that we need to um to to be around Kate when she needs hospital you know stuff like that so that's really helped And have there been any times since you set up your business, Sarah, where you felt that things have been any easier or any harder based on the fact that you've been a woman in business? Yes, I I definitely think a woman in business and a woman in property is is quite It's a very male dominated environment. So even when I was project manager, I was the only senior woman and I'd run my meetings. It was contractors were male. Everybody on site was male. You know, there's a, there's a very, so I came from a very dominated environment, but I think um, moving into property, trying to negotiate the deals, trying to get below market value, rent to rents. I think you're seen as a bit of a soft touch, you know, because you're, you're a woman, you know, you're not, you're not perhaps taken quite as seriously as the men in the field are. So I have come up against that, which, I was a bit surprised about it as well. And also, um, even to the extent of borrowing money, you know, are you married? Have you got a second income? What, you know, what are you doing with that? You know, even some of those questions, I think, well, hang on a minute. If that was a, you know, a bloke going for that sort of money loan to value, would you be asking him, you know, is his wife earning? I don't think you would, would you? You know, so some of that's been challenging. Yeah. Okay. For anyone listening now, is there any advice you'd give for someone who's looking to maybe transition from a job and start their own business as a woman? Are there any tips or advice? 
Yeah, well, you can use our, we can use our skills to our, our advantage. So, you know, find a niche that you're passionate about, that you care about, and then that will come across to your investors and to the people that you're working with. So we work a lot with um, young people leaving care and um, we run a pilot with our local council. So 16 and 17 year olds aren't allowed to stay with their foster families anymore. We had a young lad came to us who'd had nine different homes in his five years. He'd not even finished a year in school. So he had no qualifications, no prospects of a future. You know, and he came to us completely disillusioned with life. And, you know, we were able to get him into a stable home, get him some proper training, get him an apprenticeship and really set him up on his way. And I think the rewards speak for themselves. And that. so the council are like, yeah, we're on board with this. You know, these people are vulnerable. They need help. And, you, you know, having that. Um, commitment to them has really helped in my business definitely definitely so Sarah have you set your business up in any particular way to, um, based on the niche that you're focused on yeah yeah the best I've set myself up as a social enterprise so there's a recognized brand they're recognized with local authority you know they're not a charity um, we're still run as a limited company and it just means that 50% of our surpluses and our profits goes back into the work that we do and that's definitely, um, if you want to work with any vulnerable client groups, that's definitely um, a subscription-based service that will give you the recognition that you need with elected members and with your local council. So, yeah, so that's what we do. That's great. And I believe you're now expanding your business into training and education as well. Yeah, so we, we, we've got a date for the 29th of November. If you'd like to come along, we're, we're expanding into training and education. But that's all... That's everything from JVing with a housing association to do development work, all the way through to the work that I do, uh, supporting vulnerable adults and, you know, everything in between, really. So all the strategies you're taught in property, you can do in the housing association sector, but people are unaware that you can do them. So that's quite a broad range of things, that are, doors that I can open up for people to get started. Fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing with us today, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed it. Thank you, thank you so much for the invite. It's great to encourage women to go out there and um, you know start businesses because we we can do it. We can do it differently. We can do it equally as well as all the men can do it. But I accept that women do tend to take on more of the caring role. They take on more of the housework, more of the doing. You know, and that is difficult to juggle. But if you become self-employed and run your own business, and you've got options, you've got more. You know, you can do more. So that's definitely helped us, and we've definitely. Um, we're growing and we're enjoying it. Yeah, and we're, we're, um, we, we like helping our young people. So that's great. Thanks, Thank Sarah. you very much for inviting me. Welcome to Wealth Talk, Julianne. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on the show. You're welcome. Now, Julianne, for our listeners, would you mind just giving a bit of background as to what your com- company does? So Creative Nature is a free-from brand that creates products that are completely delicious without doubt. So we have a range of snack bars, baking mixes and superfoods that are better for you. Excellent. Now, Julianne, you spoke at my Skate the Rat Race event actually um, back in 2015. And then a couple of weeks ago, I was watching Dragon's Den and I saw you on there as well. So so you've had an interesting few years by sounds of things. Yes, it's been a roller coaster. I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs say that, but there's definitely ups and downs uh, every day. Uh, we've come a long way since we spoke to you. I uh, spoke with you last. Um, we've launched into sort of major multiple uh, supermarkets, and we've literally just done a huge rebrand. So you'll see that shortly um, launching. Excellent. Now, one of the aspects that we talk a lot about at Wealth Builders 
with regards to business is the recurring revenue model. Do you have recurring revenue in your business and how important is that for you, Julianne? Yes, I think it's it's great to have recurring revenue and it's really important when stabilizing the business, especially as we were a business at the beginning that didn't have any investment. So we had to basically grow organically um, and having a business model that constantly has um basically a lifetime value of a customer so you understand when your customer enters the market for example when we supply say into a cardo what is the age range of that customer whether they're female or male and then also how many times they're going to buy within that year and that's how you determine your product's life cycle so that's really important when forecasting also understanding your cash flow and then also we have a subscription model that's only recently launched on our website which again is a recurring uh, revenue model uh, where the customer buys a subscription box every week or every month and we know that this cash flow um, this is going to help our cash flow ongoing mm. now we're we're featuring female entrepreneurs on this episode Julianne have you found any difference being a female in the entrepreneur world as you've been developing and growing your business? Well, when I first started, I was actually, before I was an entrepreneur, I was in banking and that was a very male dominated career path for me. Um, However, when I was an entrepreneur, I did find there were more women entrepreneurs around. Um, However, I did feel when I first started, when I was 22, people weren't taking me seriously. And one of the reasons could have been because I was a woman. I had many episodes where um, we would be at trade shows and people would think that I wasn't the owner. They would say, no way, you can't be the owner. You're too young and obviously female as well. Um, So things like that, I think, do cause some sort of issues and women do have it uh, slightly harder. However, I'm all for equality and I really think that women can do just as well as men. Mm. And What is it about business as an asset class that you particularly like, Julianne? Why do you see, um, you know, what advantages um, do you see over something like property as an asset class or or something different? Um, I really enjoy business and I think that um, it's very, very fast paced. Um, There's a lot of decisions that need to be made as as an entrepreneur when you start up and you're very much in control um, of your industry and you can develop with the trends that are out there. Um, for me personally, I chose to go under, I, I chose to do products rather than services. Um, they're obviously very two separate ones. I think the product category can actually be harder only due to the amount of stock you have to hold. So cash is always king in business. And if you have to hold a lot of stock, your cash can get diminished quite quickly. And for our listeners, Julianne, who maybe are interested in moving into business, they may still be working full time at the moment. What would be some kind of tips and lessons learned that you could share with them? I would say the struggle is real. It's not, you see these successful entrepreneurs um, and it looks like they're successful overnight, but it's not that easy. However, there are just as ma- just as many lows there are. There are so many highs as well. Getting your product, for example, into store and seeing it launch nationally, there's nothing can- that can compare. So I just think people have to be more sort of open to exactly what the business journey is. Get as much advice as you can. 
um, and just really start small because it doesn't matter how small you start. It just matters that you actually start because take putting one foot in front of the other, you're you're further than you were yesterday. So I would say that that would be my main advice. Yeah, I totally agree. And and finally, Julianne, tell us what that experience was like on Dragon's Den for you. Dragon's Den. A lot of people ask me about Dragon's Den. Um, it was really really scary. Um, I was I was I was very very scared when I was in the den. Um, I was really nervous, which I'm sure you could, could probably tell from watching. Uh, but it, it was really worth it in the sense that it made me grow as an entrepreneur. It also made my partner grow. And after the den aired, the um, the response we got on the product was phenomenal. We also sold out in major supermarkets and we became their number one, one of their top 10 sellers in for that year as well. So I think no matter how hard it was, during those two and a half hours or whatever it was when they filmed it it was worth it for the outcome yeah no congratulations on that and I think it just sums up that if you're going to be an entrepreneur that you're going to have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone on more than one occasion aren't you (laughs) yes and you just have to really step up to the plate you just have to get on with it otherwise it's it's eventually if you just keep on sort of avoiding doing things that are outside your comfort zone you're never going to progress. Thanks so much for sharing with us today, Julianne. Thank you so much. Okay, so quite some insights there, Kevin. What did you pick up on in particular? Well, you know, Charlotte's a very interesting story, isn't it? She's such a driven person, both in passion and purpose, you know, and I I don't know if you know the story, Chris, but um, I met Charlotte when she was still at university. And uh, she was introduced to me by her dad, who's one of my clients. Her dad's called David. And um, I was uh, went to see David, went to his house, and uh, he asked me to spend uh, some time with Charlotte. And, uh, she, you know, you could tell she was a bright spark and good as she moved on and done some brilliant things and speaking all over the world and raising money and really pushing the boundaries. And I think she's very determined. And I think she's absolutely saying, in no uncertain terms, there's no difference between men and women. And this should be about entrepreneurship rather than about female entrepreneurship. And you know what? She's absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, ending there by saying, just know yourself and be confident in who you are. And that doesn't matter, you know, what gender, um, knowing yourself and what your value is in the marketplace is key to being successful as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And you can tell, you know, they've stuck at it, you know, the technology didn't happen overnight. You know, businesses need time uh, to be both invested in so that you change, the business change, and you build the scale uh, in time. So, you know, I'm hoping for wonderful things for Charlotte, and I'm sure she'd be very successful and go on to do other things in the future too that we'll no doubt hear about. Mm, and Sarah's business obviously is is in the property world and we've done several episodes over recent months where we talked about HMOs and Sarah's business is HMOs within the supported housing sector. Yeah, I mean, you could see as far as Sarah's concerned that she's absolutely bringing her own IP into play, isn't she? The, the work that she does in her business is a reflection of two things, really. Her background, because she came from that place and understood the very needs of of the people with whom or for whom she now serves. And also she's got that big reason why, hasn't she? You know, you can't, 
ignore that. The big reason why is her daughter who has special needs of her own. So I think when you combine this similar thing, a passion and purpose, but expressed in a different way, uh, I think she's done an outstanding job. And I think she did hint, though, that, um, you know, there are some challenges with women in property. And I've definitely seen in recent times with the increase in the use of uh, modular construction buildings, Chris, where buildings are built in factories, that many women are turning to that because they don't have to have this this, uh, this feeling sometimes of being, you know, an innocent woman talking to builders and, you know, and those sorts of contractors and just finding it a much easier way as well. So lots of things are evolving in property and Sarah's doing a great job. Mm. And one thing I'd like to pick up on is something that Julianne mentioned. She was talking about lifetime value of her customers and how many times a customer will buy, you know, in a year and this helping with being able to forecast and, you know, know where your cash flow is coming from. So, you know, lifetime value, really critical metric, isn't it, in business? Well, it's one of the key metrics in business and I'm sure we'll we'll get to all of the metrics, Chris, when we dive a little deeper into the whole business thing. But understanding the lifetime value of the client is critical for a number of reasons. So if you know, for example, that a client buys first time, and let's on you some round numbers, say they spend a £1,000, but they you know, spend a £1,000 a year for five years, very, very simple example, then that value is £5,000. So once you know the value of the client, let's say it was 5000 you've got a much clearer picture of your predictability if it's once a year, and you've got a much clearer picture of what you're willing to spend to acquire that customer. And that makes a huge difference in terms of your marketing spend. So uh, obviously from her perspective, she did such a great job, didn't she, of coming out of a comfort zone, being scared at the beginning, which is another interesting point, that when it comes to building wealth, you either have to do it or don't do it. Simple. There's no trying. There's no drifting. There's no DIYing here. you just got to be a dynamo and push through. And uh, Julianne is an inspiration in that regard too, as, as in fact all of our contributors today were. They all were indeed. And uh, another recurring theme was recurring income in the business. And that kind of leads us on quite nicely to where we're heading with next week's episode, doesn't it, Kevin? Well, it does, because recurring income is the essence of wealth building, isn't it, really? It's about having an asset where the income shows up so you don't have to be there every day for it to do so, unlike a job and unlike a conventional business where you're chasing the profit, doing the work and getting the money. So we'll talk much more about that. And when you begin in business with the end in mind, the lifetime value of the customer, the amount of recurring income is critical, not just to how you live your life inside your business, but ultimately in many businesses, if you do it well, you can walk away from your business very, very wealthy indeed. Mm. And we have a special guest next week, a best-selling author, someone that you've rubbed shoulders with and we'll be rubbing shoulders with again next year. So maybe we'll kind of leave it on that suspense <laughs> and uh, and reveal all next week. Yeah, we've got to share that story. Um, you know, and I'll hint at his name is John. And John is just an outstanding guy in the field of helping entrepreneurs get the maximum possible value from their business. So when he shows up, most people listen, including me. <laughs> looking forward to that one so today was a really really good episode i really loved hearing from our three guests and um yeah can't wait till next week look forward to it chris see ya we hope you enjoyed today's episode 
Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership.